my coffee and today's guest here with me, so we're ready to roll. Welcome to the Circular Coffee Break podcast, where we will be talking about everything circular and beyond. Now, as always, if you have ideas, suggestions, or you just want to be in touch, please drop us a note either on the new webpage, circularcoffeebreak.com, or at circularcoffeebreak at gmail.com. We're eager to hear from you to make the podcast as relevant and interesting as possible for all of you out there listening to us today. Now, my guest today is a scientist turned entrepreneur who is looking to accelerate the transition to circularity in the food industry. He uh, has a 10 year career in research at the University of Helsinki and VTT, where he has, among other things, been working on developing an emerging insect economy uh, and looking for novel ingredients for future food and feed products. Previously, he has been working in quality control and biodegradable reuse industry, commercializing products out of biodegradable byproducts for industrial partners. Since 2021, he is the co-founder and CEO of Volare Solutions, a Nordic food tech company creating sustainable protein and lipids from food industry side streams. Welcome to the show, Dure Barvijainen. Thank you. Cool. Dure, uh, to get us started, um, could you maybe give us a, a short introduction of Volare and, and what Volare does and how it impacts the sustainability and circularity of the food industry? And I understand specifically the production and the footprint uh, of, of pet food. Sure. So in short, what Volare does is that we basically utilize the byproducts of, from the food industry and we turn them into sustainable proteins, lipids, and fertilizers. So how do we do it, or why is it more sustainable? We have to actually take a little step back and, and look at the total picture. So when we are looking at food, we are talking about trillions of dollars uh, spent every year on, on food, and about one third of that is wasted. So. Basically, when we are utilizing these otherwise wasted resources, we can increase the amounts of food products or feed products from basically from the same inputs that we are using to produce those food. So then when we look at our production and making these high quality proteins uh, out of these uh, byproducts, uh, basically the circularity is kind of embedded into our business model. So we are a close an important partner for the food industry to utilize those side streams and valorize them into the products that are then used used in the pet food. And thus we can reduce 80 to 90% of the CO2 footprint, for example, for the pet food products. That, that's an impressive number. Um, question, what, what are the typical side streams you're, you're using in your, in your production? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, that's kind of where the novelty comes from. Uh, so my, mm. my background working before in the biogas industry uh, actually made this very critical point for circular uh, processes that they need to be versatile, meaning that they mm. can use mm. different type of raw materials. 
so we can use whether it's wet or dry uh, byproduct. So meaning it can be oat hulls from as a milling side stream, or it can be like a wet product, which could be, for example, different type of uh, fibers that come from starch processing, or it can be different type of vegetable byproducts from, for example, peeling of potatoes or, or other water vegetables. Oh, very, very interesting. So where do you normally get these side streams from? Is it is it industrial level that, that you take in or where do you get these side streams from? Yeah, so we, we focus actually fully on, on the industrial partners. And the reason mm -hmm. is that we want to have side streams that are produced throughout the year. They're stable. Mm -hmm. We can verify the quality because the end product quality is super important for us. Um, mm -hmm. So we want to basically validate that there isn't any risks in the in the side streams we are using. So we are focusing on fully industrial side streams, which is actually about 20 to 30 percent of all bio waste produced in in the European level, for example. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about the black soldier fly. Um, I mean, in the greater context, maybe a rather unremarkable insect, but I understand for Volare, it's uh, it's crucially important. So what's the role of the black soldier fly and, and how did you find out? Yeah, that, that's a very important part of what we do. I could kind of like put it in two parts. One of us, one of the part for us is basically the insect and the bioprocess that the insect or actually the larvae does for the side streams. It's a rather unique like I would say from their biology, since they have a very wide variety of different type of feed enzymes, which means that they can break down basically uh, fibers such as hemicellulose, but proteins and, and lipids as well. So that's what makes them such an omnivore that they can really utilize almost any kind of resource. Um, but also the speed of the growth is very important. So basically the bioprocess only takes about seven days uh, from the beginning to the end. So, so how did how did you find out about about that process about the the black soldier fly basically being able to help in in that in that processes? Yeah, so actually we were looking at something like three hundred different insect species and their mm -hmm. potential industrial applications. Uh, in an EU-funded project where we were basically analyzing and categorizing different uh, uh, insects that could be possibly used in, in bioprocessing. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, the black soldier fly was uh, selected because it's one of the most robust ones, uh, meaning that it doesn't have like known pathogens or uh, or any other kind of like negative aspects on, on it. So it was kind of like rather finding the best one out of the many different potential ones that could be used. Interesting, interesting. And, and you already mentioned, I, I understand Volare was born out of, of your research, um, as, as uh, I think the founders met at VTT, the, the Technical Research Center of Finland, uh, while developing a way to keep nutrients in the in the value chain. Could you tell us a little bit about that journey uh, and, and your transition from research to entrepreneurship? How, how has that worked for you? What were the things you learned along the way and, and that could maybe be interesting for our listeners? Sure. So first of all, like I've been always wanting to make an impact 
and mm. uh, and before when I was working for the industry, I felt the impact was very concrete because I was building facilities, uh, putting them online, and I could very concretely see what the impact there is. Mm-hmm. In research, of course, the impact is different kind. You can make ideas or technologies that can change large vast of industries uh, if they become into implementation. But what I felt as a researcher after we had developed the technology and, and got it to the point that uh, it was ready to put to the market uh, was that uh, we didn't really kind of find uh, the the right party who would take the technology forward. And then we were mm. looking like, okay, like what, what would be the potential of these technologies is if mm. like applied and, and what would be the impact? And actually, what was the reason for us to become entrepreneur was when we were just considering basically our own careers and lives is that like how we can make the most impact. And mm-hmm. and for us, that was really the sort of joining principle of how we decided to actually spin out from, from VTT and, and found our own company. But of course, it's not an easy journey to mm-hmm. uh, become an entrepreneur from, from researcher. Of course, like uh, the challenges are, are very different. But, but there is one thing that I always find uh, actually very, very important and very, very similar in being entrepreneur mm. and researcher, which is that that you just have to listen to the customers and have mm-hmm. to understand the needs and try to find processes and ways that really answer the customer demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I fully, I fully agree. And I, I think one thing that's very common at, at least in my experience in research is that you never you, you're never stuck with an answer or you're never stuck with something because in research you know that you will go down so many wrong paths before you hit the right one uh, that you need to listen you need to be able to to look at new things and question yourself which is naturally also something that helps pretty much in the business world if you if you're able to adopt and and to listen as you said and to um to basically figure out the the customer's challenges uh, and, and the customer environment in that context. Yeah, definitely. And and like actually the way how we operate as a company is pretty similar than as researcher does. We form hypotheses from the market and we mm-hmm. test and validate them. And that's the guiding principle of how we go forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, following up on this a little bit, um, I fully agree with you that naturally impacting uh, um, or utilizing the impact of the research and and specifically accelerating and broadening that uh, with regards to breakthrough research is is really important these days Um, because we we have a lot of change ahead of us and we don't necessarily have all the solutions in, in our hand today. Now, from, from your experience, are there some learnings you could share um, on what has helped you in, in that transition and, and what are the things, the challenges, but also the opportunities you see um, in, in taking that forward, be it with some of the mechanisms that we're seeing in the market or, or with some, some outside outside help? Well, I kind of have to say that one of the most important thing has been the team building. So of course, us as researchers, we know the technology and, and we know 
bit of the market where we operate, but actually like finding the right kind of like skill set to match with us to take this forward has been super important. So we, we used a lot of effort on finding the people with the necessary commercial skills to scale technologies mm-hmm. forward uh, and have the right experience. So we, we, for example, have hired directly from our customers, uh, people to understand better what are the needs. Uh, and I think that can be one very powerful tool to gain an understanding of, of like the right hypothesis that what you should take on. But maybe a little bit more practical, uh, like uh, guidance or or learning uh, for for mm-hmm. us uh, has been that mm, when you're looking at what you want to achieve, you really have to like break it down into steps. What is really mm. the kind of like easiest step that can be done? Because everything what you decide to do is typically a little bit more complicated than it might appear on the surface so that you narrow down on the challenge that you specifically want to approach and then try to kind of like not focus on the things that is not in this immediate reach. And uh, that that is kind of like the shortest path to commercialize uh, research and have the impact because when you can build on uh, a commercial operations ongoing, scaling them into larger scale becomes so much easier. Mm. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I, I can I can easily see that. Now, I mean, the, the food industry, including specifically the the pet food industry, is today in many ways unsustainable. And and I, I understand that insect proteins uh, offer the ability to re- reduce pet food emissions, for example, fivefold. So really, really significant impact. Also on also based on what you said earlier. Um, we're starting to see insect-based pet food now in different stores. Like when I go to Mustiamiri here in, in Finland, uh, they start carrying uh, insect-based uh, pet foods. How do you see the development and uh, what are today the key challenges, uh, but also opportunities do you see in the market for Volare, so for your offering, but also for the broader um, use of insect-based uh, proteins uh, and and so on in in pet food, but maybe even broader than that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, how we kind of see it is that like now we are really like in this uh, adoption part in in this kind of like scaling up the technology. So there has been about five point five five point five billion invested to different insect companies in the in globally. It, it means that the insect proteins become more and more available. Of course, for, for us, like we, we make a insect proteins in a technology that is uh, fully electrified, so it doesn't use any fossil fuels and the emissions are extremely low. And when we look at the uh, companies operating in the, in the industrial spaces producing uh, proteins for, for pet food, uh, we see that actually what they really want uh, is uh, different options to differentiate. Because when we are looking at pet food, 70% that is basically minced broiler meat or or meat and boat meal out of the chickens. So like uh, many of the pet food companies don't really have a chance to differentiate their product if they're mostly using the same product to make those pet foods. So 
insect meals in general, they can offer a way for them to differentiate uh, and offer a sustainable alternative. So what are the challenges actually is, is to kind of like educate the customers, build more connections to different industrial partners, bring insect meal into, into larger volume. Uh, that's definitely like kind of like the challenge of the whole industry. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when we look at the opportunity, when we are talking about pet food in Europe, uh, that's already over 30 billion per year. Uh, so it's definitely a big opportunity and it can have a very big impact on the sustainability. If we would look at pet foods as a country, it would be the fifth largest country by carbon emissions yeah. uh, in, in the world. So definitely mm-hmm. like reducing the the kind of like general CO2 impact of, of the pet food is actually a, a meaningful change that can be done. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you see the acceptance, both the acceptance in the in the pet food industry, but also with the consumers uh, in, in that context? Because, I mean, it is, it is something new. Uh, it is new for the industry and, and they might actually need to change their traditional production uh, approaches, their production models, their, their product models. But it's also new for consumers that have not seen insect-based pet foods uh, earlier in on the shelf or in, in the shops. How do you see the, the acceptance in, in that context? Is that something you see increase or, or improve or how, how, how is that developing? Yeah, that, that's a great question. From the industry side, it's actually easy product. It's a drop-in. Mm. You just replace okay. one meal with another. But yeah. I think the question about the customers, like the customers is more interesting because um, customers make their choices like humans mm-hmm. do about their own food. So they're kind of yeah. like wondering, is this good for my pet uh, type of mm-hmm. questions? Um, and of course, that's a lot about education. But when we see, for example, the, the results of the questionnaires of the cost, final customers or the end customers mm. of, of these, typically they like the products. Uh, they yeah. like the fact that it has, uh, that it has less emissions, yeah. but yeah. they also like the fact that it's natural source mm. of protein. It has a good amino acid and other nutrient comp- composition, mm. which can be a good for the benefit of the health of the pet. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we, I, we, we have pets ourselves, cats and, and a dog, and I, I can I can just sign up to what you just said. Very often the decision is, is driven more by the human thinking of um, what, what do I have on my plate um, than, than anything else. So, so I think it's a lot about education, about understanding how is it good? How is it better? It, it, does it provide the same the same level of nutrition and, and so on and so forth? So so it's a learning process uh, in that regard. Yeah, and the good thing that the scientific evidence uh, actually mm-hmm. shows very good good signs for for the health. Uh, there is a couple of different reasons. One of them is, uh, for example, the chitin component, which is good for mm-hmm. the gut, meaning that basically their stomach is working better. Yeah. Uh, and also it has these medium chain fatty acids, which is uh, mm-hmm. beneficial also for the 
uh, gut uh, and also the absorbance of, of the nutrients. So those are definitely a benefits that are that in the product. But when when customer is making the decision about buying the product, often they mm-hmm. want to first buy a little bit and see if if basically the uh, dog or the cat likes to eat it. And if they like to eat it, then they are kind of like more willing to look into the benefits and and kind of like understand the product. And the good thing with the insect products is that actually typically pets like the taste and like the smell and 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 there isn't kind of like challenges in the palatability of the product interesting yeah now very very important point i mean that's uh, being a pet owner i think that that's one of the key key criteria do they eat it because um I, i can buy whatever i want if they don't eat it then it doesn't really help now I, I remember there was a huge discussion from a regulatory point of view uh, about insects in the in the human uh, on the human side as a, as a human food. How do you see the regulatory environment um, in in what you're doing? Is that a topic for you? Is that something where you where you see need for for developments, or or is that something where you say now the regulatory environment provides us with a with a playing field we need? Uh, in order to to scale and and bring forward these new types of proteins and and lipids well currently actually the regulatory environment is quite good in that sense that we can use the products in in any uses we want in 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 Europe of course when we are talking about human food uh, there are some lim- some limitations there but for volare as a company we are more focused on the feed side and the reason is that we actually think that in the short and medium term we can make larger impact by focusing on the pet food and an animal feed than if we would focus solely on human food human food is still something that is interesting and perhaps later we might might look into that more but we see that the that when humans would adapt to eating insect proteins it's like something that is much long longer path than for, for example if our pets or our like uh, production animals are are eating uh, insect feeds interesting and, and you already mentioned now the the, the future of, of volare so let, let's come back to that where do you see the company and and the technology and the solutions that that you have develop in in the next let's say five to ten years what's the future path for you and and for the company well actually it's quite simple our strategy is basically scale as quickly as possible into larger scale, meaning that we want to operate several uh, factory units in different locations uh, and basically scale the production. Uh, and the reason for this is that when we are looking at, at the feed market, uh, we are talking about millions of tons of, of feed or, or protein. Uh, and in order, to, in order to answer the demands of the customers, it has to be in a very, very large scale. Um, but on the other hand, that allows us developing other products that are not necessarily in that big scale, but much higher value. But those will be more like accompanying what we are doing, uh, not not like changing kind of like the main main focus of, of the business, because we see that the biggest impact comes through the impacts of what we can do in the pet and uh, and in the 
feed sectors because there when you have large masses you typically also have large impacts yeah absolutely do, do you see any any do you foresee any challenges in in that in the demand or supply or is it mostly about technically scaling uh, the the solution um, and and basically serving the demand uh, with the supply of, of feedstock that you have yeah definitely it's a, I would say actually more like a capital-led story so when you're mm. when you're building uh, several factories uh, which I've been part doing before uh, it's actually building like the financial model that are allows you to build several factories is already actually quite a complicated journey to do uh, as a startup so that's why we have to have such a tight focus on on what we do and on the other hand when you're work, working on the commodity market it's a market where the the premium for the products is typically quite small so you have to have a very tight ship and just actually do the actions that make the most sense and kind of like have a very narrow focus mm. yeah no no it makes makes perfect sense makes perfect sense Great. The coffee is empty and it, it's time to wrap up. Um, thanks a lot for joining me today, Dure. Really interesting topic. Uh, it will be extremely interesting to follow Volare and, and the role of insects in the future of our food, of our pet food uh, system going forward. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. It was a pleasure to come here and always happy to talk about the things that I'm very passionate about. Perfect. Thank you. For, for all of you listeners out there, uh, we hope you found today's episode interesting and it's inspiring. Um, if you like the podcast, you can help us grow the Circular Coffee Break community by giving us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you basically get your podcasts from. Um, also, please remember to subscribe to stay in the loop on new episodes uh, that will drop on a bi-weekly basis. And, and we have a list of really uh, interesting guests coming up. So make sure to stay in the loop on that. Thanks for listening today. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you all here at the Circular Coffee Break. <music>